Hi friend, welcome to this week's podcast from the First Baptist Church of Nokomis, where we are building the kingdom of God through the lives of everyday people. If you are new, you can visit our website at fbcnokomis.com. Click on our visitor information page to sign up for our e-newsletter or to learn more about our ministries. We also invite our regular listeners to partner with us and support our digital ministries by clicking the Give Online button. All right. 9 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Beautiful snowfall outside. Just kind of a surreal day. Happy February 13th. Give it a minute. If you get on this to watch later, I'm going to give a little bit of background for atonement. A theological term people use about the salvation of Jesus Christ. So, hopefully this one, uh, if I was to say there's something special in these devotions today, oh, I might get a little pastor geeky to talk about, but it's pretty fun. So, the idea of atonement we sort of take for granted. We're going to dive into it this morning. So, if you have some coffee, find a couch, kind of look out the window and see the snow coming down. Um, happy uh, Valentine's Day Eve, or as Parks and Recs would say, Happy Galentine's Day. <laughs> if you're a Parker, Parks and Recs fan, uh, that was the gal's day. That was the day before Valentine's Day where the girls got to go out and do things. So, you know, um, you know, Galentine's Day, I don't know, how, however you want to do it, however you want to spend it. So have some fun with it. Um... So like I said, we're going to jump into the story of atonement and what that means, what that looks like. Um, I usually give a minute or two, see if some folks jump on. Uh, but anyway, most people watch this after the fact. And uh, and I hope you watch it in full. I hope you get into this uh, topic this morning. I'm going, to, I'm going to outline it a little bit more tomorrow from a different perspective. But I'm going to give you today this visual component of atonement, right? When we say that Jesus died for our sins, Jesus loves us, um, what does that mean? Um, Scripture full of references for atonement and what that represents when Jesus died for our sins, he atones our sins. Um, We're going to dive into it a little bit. So, last week I talked about the you know, in order to shine bright, you have to know Jesus and make him known. You have to be a disciple and make disciples. To be a disciple, the more you know Jesus, the more the life of Jesus is just uh, absorbed into your heart and into your spirit, the brighter it becomes in your life. So when we talk about making disciples, sometimes we think it's got to be a lot of work, and really it, it isn't. The work is within us. The The brighter God is shining with us, the more we are, are coming closer to Jesus and the brighter Jesus will shine in the world. Um, and I have to admit, even as a pastor, I've sort of found this to be true, more true in the last few years. Uh, instead of trying to artificially create ministries and disciples and sort of push things through that I think conceptually make sense and find out they're not working. Uh, I've pushed away from that a little bit more and said, hey, let's just be organic. Let's decide that the more we know Jesus, the more excited we get about Jesus, the more it changes our lives. And as a result, the more it's going to be a passion and excitement we share with others. And I have to admit, I'm really excited about what that has looked like uh, to the start of the year. So especially after coming out of COVID, right? Um, Okay, so let's just say a quick prayer, Lord, 
we pray for that persistent luminescence within us that as you have poured your light into us that we can then shine that light to the world and we know that it, it is in many places very dark and, and chaotic so we need that persistent luminescence we need that which is shined upon us be it a Sunday morning be it our personal devotions we need to invest so much more into that so that the, the brighter you are upon us the brighter you will be in those dark moments in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So, okay. So one of the things we say as Christians is that you have to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and be forgiven. The action of being forgiven in theological terms is a word called atonement, that Jesus atones for our sins. Now this morning, I'm going to give you some of those Hebrew root words that come with this, and it I hope it blows your mind. I mean, this is stuff that I've probably talked about some of you in the inner circles of church, be it uh, either in deacons meetings or leaders meetings. You've heard me reference this. But, but this goes back to my passion about how the, the, the foreshadowing of Jesus is so rich in the Old Testament, right? And some of those religious practices seem kind of hokey, seem kind of out there, the sacrifice of the animals. I'm going to give you some context this morning. So stay with me. Make sure you got some space. Get, get your, if you're watching this on your phone, shut off the notifications. Um, here we go. First of all, the word atonement, the, the Hebrew that is used 70 plus times in the Old Testament, this kafcha. Uh, I like to have fun with the Jewish word, kafcha. You're going to roll the R's. Uh, kafar is basically the word we use for atonement. Now, it's going to be the verb for atonement, meaning to atone. It literally means to cover. So we'll get into that a little bit more about what covering means. But the kafra is this atoning covering for the sake of whatever the, the cause may be. I'm going to give you a couple examples in a minute. But we have to compare that to kapha, which is the noun, if you will, that it is a covering. Which is why when we reference the Day of Atonement, we call the, the Jews call it Yom Kippur. That is the Day of Atonement. But kafcha is the actual act, the verb of atoning. Now, I love the, the easy way to remember this, if you want to keep it simple, is the reason what atonement means. If you break it up from the 16th century etymology of the word atonement, it's at one meant with God. Kind of cool, huh? At, atonement is to be at one meant one with God to be made one with God again. That's what atonement means, that we were set apart, and now by this atonement, we're allowed to be made right. Let me give you a place that most people wouldn't see the word kafcha in the Old Testament, but it comes in Genesis 6.14. This is when Noah is supposed to build the ark. One of the instructions that Noah is given when he builds the ark is to use pitch or tar. But the word, the verb on what he's supposed to do is this atoning, this kafcha, is to put the pitch on the ark. Now, this may seem silly. You know, obviously, the tar, but what's the tar doing? The tar is holding the water out from the boat, in essence, surviving Noah and his family through the storm and through the flood. Now, that same word is the word that is found again in Exodus 25, when Moses is being instructed by God how to make the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle, they're going to have the holy, 
And then inside the holy, they're going to have the holy of holies. And inside the holy of holies, guess what they're also going to have? Not Noah's ark, but the ark of the covenant. The ark being a vessel. And God tells Moses this atoning on the ark, or the atonement of the ark, is going to be the covering of the ark where God sits. Pretty cool play on words, right? That which is the tar that holds the boat together and keeps the storms from destroying Noah and his family, that which is the covering of the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies is this atoning seat for God to be among his people, to be at one with his people. Well, we extend that even farther to how we identify with atonement by the death and blood of Jesus Christ. So, if you go on, Leviticus chapter 4 becomes another chapter explaining atonement. It starts out with how the priest and the priest is supposed to make an atonement for himself and his family. He can't go before God until he's made right. And then as he goes before God, he goes before God for the sake of the people so he can make the people right before God. This atoning for their sins. It says in Leviticus chapter 4, if the, if the whole Israelite community sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's commands, by the way, really important, right? How many times we think we only ask God to forgive us of the sins that we know about? <laughs> I love the Jewish practice of going before God to say, God, there's things I've probably done just by being mortal, by being human. I don't even know. I've participated in sinful activities of others unknowingly, or I've done them and hurt people that I didn't pay attention to. So God says, at any point, when they realize their guilt, that's a key, right? What we're going to find out with atonement is the action that we participate in is a confession, is an acknowledgement. God does the work, but we have to confess. He says, as soon as they get this, then offer this sin offering presented before the tent of meetings. The elders of the community are to lay their hands on the bull's heads before the Lord. By the way, the laying on of hands, what we, the word ordain. When we ordain people into ministry, we lay hands on them and we confess them to God, right? When we come into church and somebody is struggling, we lay hands on them. Isn't it great how the elders come together and they lay hands on what is being offered as the sacrifice? And it says, then he shall dip his finger into the blood of that animal sacrifice and sprinkle it before the Lord seven times in front of the curtain, the curtain being in front of the Holy of Holies. In this way, the priest will make atonement for the community and they will be forgiven. Now, even deeper still, while this is being done daily, sacrificial practices, and then in the tabernacle, ultimately what became the temple, uh, weekly, daily practices, there was only one day a year, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, where the high priest went into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people. It was once a year, the Day of Atonement, to sprinkle the blood of a bull offered as atonement for the priest. And now the priest is made right, a goat offered as an atonement for the people, as well as offering incense in front of the Ark of the Covenant. Isn't that great? The ark that now has the atoning covering, the covering of the ark, where the reason it's on the ark is to give God a place to be seated among his people, what is known as the mercy seat. And then in the second temple, after the first temple was destroyed, the, the first, second temple didn't have the ark of the covenant, so they still went in. And almost with the strain of, we're still practicing our faith, but we know something's wrong because the ark of the covenant was missing, they still offered the Day of Atonement, the sacrifice for the people. Now, this is what that, that represents. The blood was a covering, a kapar, 
atoning this kafar, right, that which is the atoning sacrifice to forgive the people. It's like this covering of, of sin. And most people, first of all, let's kind of explain why this is important. First of all, when people ask, what is the covering for? Now, we're not talking about hiding away. We're not... Uh, even when we say covering it as white as snow, we don't think of the snow actually disappearing the earth. But it's a good metaphor to understand how it blankets the earth. But this is a covering like a bath, like water that covers over the body and makes it clean, that, that takes away the dirt. That type of covering. It's, it's the type of covering that if you have a cleaner and you, you're cleaning the counters and you know the spaces that you didn't cover because you can see that they're still a little sticky, you weren't very thorough, but if you cover it all, then it cleans the surface, right? That's the type of covering that we're talking about. So why do we need atoning? Why do we need this covering? Well, it's really simple. This goes back to the four spiritual laws. Uh, I've used it as the Romans road. It's really simple to understand uh, our spiritual deficiencies through some simple verses in the book of Romans. So, for example, the reason that we need atonement is because of Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, the wages of that sin is not time out. You don't get put in a corner. You don't get your hand slapped. The wages of the sin is death. Most people, they really struggle with this. They go, I just don't understand why God could be so unfair. Why does death have to be the consequence? Death isn't the consequence because God made it the consequence. Death is the consequence because in our sin, that separation from God, who is eternal life, then by that contrast created a mortal life. Right? Like when you tell a child not to touch a stove because it's hot and they're going to get burned. When they touch the stove and they get burned, it's not you as a parent that burns them. It's just the reality of the consequence of their actions, right? So God doesn't punish us with death. Death is the, the consequence of being separated from an eternal God. Uh, I do like to position this with people and they say, well, that seems mean. Well, what's the alternative? Well, I'll give the alternative. The alternative is what God did with Satan himself. When, when Satan and a third of the angels fall out of heaven, there's no opportunity for redemption. It's sort of a, you know, God said, okay, done. And a whole separation of what we now know to be the deceiver of the world in an instant. So I guess kind of as humans, we ought to look at it and go, at least we've got a second chance. I like our odds. I like that. Well, what God offered as a, an opportunity that though the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, how do you take the atonement of Christ? How do you take the covering? Well, you can go back to Exodus, and you can go back to painting the blood of the Lamb on the doorposts of their house, so that when the angel of death came over, the consequence of Pharaoh's hardened heart, God said, I'm going to have to have to cause a, a response from Pharaoh to help him understand that these are my people, and I want them back. And so the angel of death came through the day of the Passover and the, the houses with the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, the angel of death passed over them. In other words, did not give them the, the, the punishment or the consequence. Well, that's what Romans is telling us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ, not on the doorpost of your house, but on your heart. 
And that covering is what makes us right and restored with God. Now, I want to get into a couple of things. Some people will say, well, well, why did God have to die? Jesus himself. And we'll ask that in a minute. But let's start with the question we're going to ask in this passage of, of the Romans road, if you will, that the ways of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life. So why, why first of all, why, why blood for an atonement? Okay. We live in the 21st century. We just don't understand this because we have grocery stores. I mean, I tease my kids all the time. You think that meat just shows up in a saran wrap. And, and yes, they're trying to come up with, uh, um, you know, sort of creating meat in test tubes. Um, they're trying to discover how to do that, and they're hoping it'll save on global warming because we won't have to have as many cows and pigs, you know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. What, what was true thousands of years ago, and I've actually had my kids with me at times when uh, we want to, you know, we want a lot of bacon. Well, in order to get bacon, you got to go kill a hog, right? <laughs> thousands of years ago, they knew this. Like, like, here's the position we're standing on, that in order to live, something has to die. Now, catch that. That is the truth of life. You don't eat rocks. You don't just eat dirt. You can't just eat minerals and live. You have to eat something that died. I don't even care if you're a vegan. If you're a vegan, you're still killing a plant. You're still killing, right? You're still taking from. You're still costing. So our challenge to that end is, of course, you don't want to go get crazy with that, but but we do struggle in our, our culture today with, with all our systems of food and delivery services to really understand that something will be taken for us to live, right? And even more importantly, if you take it to the extent of saying, well, uh, what is it to, to kill grain or to kill vegetables? Really, it's still in a position of power, isn't it? We're still taking often from someone else. And I'll give you a simple reference. There's no need for us to have as much waste as we do. I know you think you need a half pound you need a double patty baconator. <laughs> I, can't, I can't get away from this. So let, let me get this straight. Not only do you need a baconator, but then you can go to a restaurant that will give you a double patty, six slices of bacon, and as I found out at Demi's, you can get an egg put on it. So now you've killed the cow, you've killed the pig, and you've killed a baby unborn chicken. <laughs> I don't know if you see it that way, but that's that's kind of the extent that, that they knew that. In fact, Native Americans understood that with the buffalo. They used as much as they could. And then, of course, the early settlers came in and only wanted to hide. And, and it is tragic. Uh, the buffalo, as we know in history, was next to extinct because of those early settlers coming in and not appreciating what the animal was giving, uh, not only for the sake of food, but for the sake of warmth or uh, many other purposes. So that's kind of where we're at as a, an explanation of why, why was the blood representative. The blood was representing that something had to die so that others could live. That animal, even though it was eaten, was dying so that others could live. Now, that means that as much as we want God to have a solution for atonement, it can't just be pitch. 
right? It can't just be tar. It can't just be paste. It can't be God sort of patching back up the difference between us and God. It can't be warm hugs. That can't just be enough. Now, that's wonderful, but it can't be kind words. It can't be us saying, I'm sorry, and God saying, okay, that's good enough. There has to be something that is representative of a life for a life because that's how we understand what it means to live, which is why Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread and that he is also the bread of life. Pretty cool, right? So Jesus knows that there has to be this covering. There has to be this blood covering, if you will. Now, why did it have to be Jesus to die for our sins? Well, I want to give you a verse that Jesus says about himself. Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you had it so hard to believe all the prophets, what they wrote in scriptures. Now get this. He said, I gave you a chance to try to figure out eternal life, to try to figure out how to write it with God. I gave you the prophets. I gave you the law. And yet you couldn't figure that out. So we know that there's this innate desire to destroy, to destruct, to self-destruct, that you're not capable. So I'm going to have to figure this out for you. So he says, wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Jesus took him through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all of Scripture the things concerning himself. Luke chapter 24, verse 25 through 27. Especially pay attention to verse 26. It was clearly predicted that Messiah would have to suffer all these things, all these things incorporating. Now, we often think of just his death and, and resurrection. His death is the ultimate sacrifice, but Jesus, by taking on flesh, is already suffering. Right? Well, Philippians 2 tells us that he came down, gave up the crown of glory, gave up the throne that is for the king of kings, and became, humbled himself to be human, and ultimately to be a human who would die a criminal's death. The greatest sacrifice being his death, but ultimately all the suffering included is his, his whole life, his suffering as a human because he was divine. So all these things included his, his suffering as a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, he, Isaiah 53, 5, uh, or his spiritual pain that the Lord laid on him, the iniquities of us all, Isaiah 53, 6. You could read the suffering servant chapters in Isaiah 53 to 57 if you want a wonderful devotional time. Oh my goodness, those chapters alone will share with you about Jesus as our, our ultimate sacrifice. Or my favorite is, of course, what is quoted, uh, the Jesus, what Jesus says, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he dies, the ultimate sacrifice. Now, I'm going to share tomorrow some of the theories of atonement, why we think Jesus had to die. And there are different reasons for it. But I want to end this morning with simply the acknowledgement that it couldn't be something short of God's full commitment. Now think about that. Anything short of God becoming flesh and God in his humanity being willing to suffer and die would skirt around in some capacity the consequences for our sin. If the wages of our sin is death, then God to do anything else but die would seem like it wasn't enough of a covering, right? 
and you and I know this, as parents in relationships, there's a lot of times where something has been done to offend the other person or that we have done against others. It isn't enough to just sort of pacify the other person with and words of an apology. As I tell people all the time, don't make excuses, make it right. And then the pursuit of the person is to say, how do I make it right? As humans, there's nothing we can do with God to make it right. Ultimately, our consequence is our mortality that leads to death. So God decided to do both things. Both still be the eternal God, but be the one who pays the ultimate sacrifice, not skirting the issue, not trying to give it alternatives, but going directly into the mouth of the grave. And his blood that was poured out on that cross is our covering. It's the covering over our sins, not to hide them, but to wash them away, to make us right with God. That even though we still die, Yet shall we live because of the one who died for us. May he be a covering for you today. May you know a little bit more about Jesus so that by his covering, by your confessions, by your transparency with God, you are restored with him as well. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. See you next time. And remember... God is building his kingdom through the lives of everyday people, just like you.